Have you ever thought about leaving your day job to pursue your passion? What are you willing to do to create the life you love through music? That's what we're going to be looking at in this episode of the new Music Industry Podcast. You're listening to the Today I'm chatting with Fierce Duties, Jonathan Barwick. How are you today, Jonathan? Good, David. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me today. So we got connected through a mutual contact and friend of ours, Monica Strutt, and she works pretty heavily with heavy bands. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah, I worked with her on my last single, A Ballad of Heartbreak and Despair, mm. and uh, the results you know, spoke for themselves. She's doing a wonderful thing. She's filling a, a gap that needs to be filled, like knowledge-wise, for people like me. Agreed. I kind of thought it was brilliant when I saw it because I was like, huh, I love hard rock. Metal's not my thing Mm -hmm. uh, quite as much. I like some metal. But if I had, you know, it's the foresight to see that as an opportunity, perhaps I would have gone down that road too. But there's absolutely (laughs) nothing wrong with the more generalized approach that I have. I know that people get a lot of value out of it. And uh, I, I am serving a much smaller niche. Mm -hmm. Uh, of music entrepreneurship, but I kind of have my own definition of that. And I think the right people resonate with it and the wrong people turn away (laughs) because the the people who are not... You can't yeah. you don't want Matt, like there's a real attitude. Well, there was it, when you're getting into music, of course, you, you want to have, you know, squillions and squillions of loyal followers and whatnot. But I think these days it's there's more precedence being like put on, you know, true, genuine fans. Exactly. And I think the wrong people aren't willing to invest in themselves. And I can't imagine my stuff is for anyone that isn't willing. I'm not saying that my products cost thousands of dollars. I don't have anything in that range yet. Mm. I'm developing that. But like, at the same time, if you can't be bothered to buy a $39 course, I, I kind of wonder where your financial life is at and where your head is at. In terms <laughs> yeah, of like, that was me. I used to be that kid that would look at a $40. Mm-hmm. $40? No, I'm going to go and like spend that on you know beer and silly things. So totally, it, it weeds and, out. Yeah, it weeds out the um, it weeds out the hopeless ones. I think. Which which brings us to an interesting question: like, what changed for you that you were began being willing to invest in yourself? I think it was Confucius that said, "Man has two lives, and the second one begins when he remembers he only has one." So, yeah. when I got to, uh, at about twenty seven, a uh, relationship ended. Uh, that I honestly didn't think would ever end. It was this whole, like, you know, this massive heartbreak and it brought about all this existential dread of like, oh, wow, like I'm 27. I've been grinding in the local scene for over 10 years now. And, we, we you know, there was some scatterings of good luck. Like we played some big shows, but we really didn't know what we were doing. We we're kind of making it up as we go along. We were pretty unprofessional in how we did deal with certain, you know, management types and whatnot. So I got to the point where I was like, this I know I knew it was what I wanted to do my whole life since I saw the Beatles like mm. like Hard Day's Night when I was like five years old I was like that's what I'm gonna do I like the, picked up a guitar like something happened you know like the the chorus of Angels there's a big volume swell and I was like oh this is my thing so when I got to 27 I knew we were doing a lot wrong but I didn't know how bands got from you know got out of that that local uh like yeah that rung i get up that next rung so i sort of um just snapped snapped awake and wanted to push forward so that's what did it a good old good old-fashioned heartbreak 
yeah, it's really the painful experiences that lead to awakening. You know, these days you can't really use the term woke without describing a very specific part of the population <laughs> that, yeah. that I don't totally uh, agree with. But that, that's kind of another story for another time. It is, but I'm yeah. Here, yeah, but I, I'm with you. Like, I think when I was 25, that was when I had my first major heartbreak and that had only lasted three months. But it prompted mm. me to write songs endlessly for for a couple months, and then oh, the, the creativity that comes from it is yeah amazing. Like I, like I cracked open. It was what I used to like in my old band. I think we like in fifteen years, not not because we were like slow. Like I was always writing songs and whatnot, but because of like the recording process and you know studios weren't that available. Even you know the, the technology has come a long way, even in that time, like it would take me a long time to get to the point where I'd be like have another album ready to go. But, um, you know, the heartbreak came in just as we were about to tour our last album. And by the end of that, like little short run, cause we, we toured Australia. We, we, we never got a rung. We never got that foothold up into the next territory. So in a matter of like weeks, I had like the next album ready to go. Hmm. And so I was like, boys, let's like, let's get hard. Like, let's go hard and, I've got these songs that um, are ready to go. Let's keep going. And um, that tour didn't do too well. And there was like money issues and priorities started to shift. And like, yeah, so it all sort of cracked apart and made way for Deity. Which is really cool. Yeah. And it, and it's great how those experiences can inspire a lot of great music. People often say something good comes out of everything bad. And that can absolutely be the truth when you're an artist and you're able to turn those feelings into, into art. Like my second major breakup was a little more recent. And that was because the relationship just wouldn't move beyond a certain level. It, it lasted a couple of years, but like for whatever reason, we just couldn't get past certain things. And that's when it was like, I guess, you know, we might be friends and we might be able to hang out, but beyond that, it's just not, it's just not going to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's like all human relationships really boil down to like that. They have like a time and a place. And they, I believe like everyone comes in, serves a role in your life to teach you something. Sometimes it's painful, but sometimes you like lifelong friends and whatnot. But yeah, a lot of the time you've you've got to like be honest with yourself and going solo and doing this thing. That, that was me being honest with myself. This was honestly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in charge of everything. So if it fails, it fails because it wasn't meant to be, not because of anything else. That's a really great perspective, <laughs> mm. and that's and that, that alone is a nice little soundbite that's worth listening to. But rewinding a little bit, you know, you be, said you began gigging at the age of fifteen, and you played some major supporting slots for Nightwish and Motorhead and playing Guardian and Hammerfall. We kind of know where that went, but you know, how was it that you could you couldn't find a way to capitalize on those opportunities? Well, there's many. It's so nuanced. The reason that band fell apart is so nuanced and like I definitely had a hand in it. Like I definitely became difficult to work with because I wanted to do something mm -hmm. and this was my life. Like I was in that band long before I met those boys. Like I, I had been in that band my whole life essentially thinking I was going to put one band together and be like the Rolling Stones and metal, be together forever and always do it. And, you know, some, we... 
the the drummer would take care of a lot of the PR because he was the kid that had the computer. So he would answer the emails and that sort of just how the setup went. And so we, we, we find ourselves in these situations. It was kind of always a bad, bad timing as well. Like we never had an album or anything coming out when these big bands would come down. Like we weren't, we didn't have anyone telling us it's like, hey, this is when the gigging season is. Did you know that, you know, Loud Park happens in Japan around this time? So Australia gets a lot of tours off that. Like you should, we didn't have anyone just sort of fine tuning it. We were just a little bit like uh, still in that mentality of like, if we're getting gigs, that's good. If we're partying and it's fun, then what's there to complain about? But um it was like I, I loved doing those big shows, you know. Like it's I write big music. My my music doesn't really make sense in these like small pub situations. So when we got to these big stages, I was like the music would fit, and of course everyone would be like, "Oh wow, you guys really seemed at home up there." And that, like I was just always, well, of course, that's where we're supposed to be. Like that's where I want to be. There's very few play times in my life where I and places in my life where I felt that I'm exactly where I need to be. And when we did those big stages, it was you know those were some of those rare times and you know of course the you get the big social media influx when you're doing the big thing and then we you know we'd fail to capitalize so you know a month later we were just you know stale and dead in the water again and you know when the breakup when when yeah when it started to fall apart i realized that that didn't fuss the other boys like they were just kind of hobbyists and i was the only one that was like you know, worried about these things. So that's, you know, that's when all the passive aggressiveness, especially on my behalf came through. And, and uh, yeah, like I started to realize that there's certain things you have to do. There's like certain, you sort of have to, you know, brand yourself. You have to, especially on social media, you have to, you know, portray yourself in such a way and not get involved in certain things unless that's, you know, your, your thing. And, yeah, that was going to be very hard with um three other dudes in the band. And mm-hmm. again, I just wanted to get my music away because I knew my music was good. I've always known what good music sounds like. I've only just recently sort of learned how to make it and how to present it. So that's how that's how that went. We just never got that wrong because we weren't being told how to do it, really. We weren't getting told, hey, don't do this, do this. And uh, yeah, we sort of uh it just really went out with a whimper which is wild because we were such a, a wild young band and we had you know a good following people were passionate about it and then yeah it sort of like uh whimpered out and died <laughs> i mean that's where you and i connect in a big way because none of my bands really lasted longer than a year and a half and i was in one band called angels breaking silence it was a pretty good gig because we started booking camps and skate parks and things like that kind of venues that were a little more accessible to like all age shows and yeah interesting a little left the center as well a little thinking yeah differently yeah just a little unconventional and it it really worked for us because like booking those types of gigs without really a a connection to high school and colleges is near impossible and it just so happened that our singer was in high school at the time and the, the band had a lot of potential. We didn't have a unique sound. Our sound wasn't tight just yet. We all played pretty well, our own instruments and, and our own parts. We just didn't quite have the uniqueness yet. But that's something that's not honed and always honed in like a year and a half. No, no. you got to go on that journey. 
exactly. So I, I saw so much p- potential in it, and, and that's kind of where you know two two of the guys ended up marrying. So I could kind of tell exactly where their priorities were, mm. and, and uh, the the high school kid sort of ended up resenting me. I think out of any of us, he's the only one that still does music in some capacity and i think he became a rapper or some such but i don't he, yeah, yeah. That's, so he did go on the journey <laughs> he discovered yeah, himself he, good for him he went, he, yeah he went on his own journey and and i just kind of continued on making music in a capacity that was that was fun for me and made sense for me and i played in a bunch of bands and did the higher gun thing and session playing and all that and which has all been really great the the other interesting part i guess is just like i invested in a company music industry startup about 2012 and mm-hmm. so kind of the parallel there is just that if that had worked out i might be a millionaire by now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know you've got to take you've got to do those things in life like it's what it's yes. here for like every breath is a miracle people forget that yes. What's, you got to take a got to take a couple of risks here and there you got to spend 39 dollars on a course and see what happens Totally, totally. <laughs> and then it led me to where I am today. And I work hard and I enjoy my work and I'm passionate about it. And that's the only way to improve is to just be committed to it and to be dedicated to it. So there's a popular misconception say, that like, like I, I recently left my job. And so yeah. the, the conception was that I wanted to like bum around and not be told what to do. And like, I was like, no, like I'm going to work. Like I, I wake up at like 6am, go to bed at like 10pm and Mm-hmm. Like I stream at least three hours a day on Twitch and go and hang out with the people there. And then the rest of it, I'm, you know, working, like working, like either sending emails to people like yourself or I'm like in the studio mm-hmm. deliberating over whether I need like a bit more of a brassy synth sound on this bit or a little bit more of a stringsy synth sound. Like I love it. This is this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to wake up and work hard at something that means something to me. I think that's ideal, and I, I want to congratulate you on doing a good job in your emails. There's plenty that never get past the, <laughs> the door <laughs> well, or the. There's, the there's an advertisement for Monica. There, she taught, she honed my uh, honed my reaching out skills. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, Michael Port book yourself solid. He calls it the red rope policy. Mm-hmm. You got to have one because everybody's going to treat you like their personal assistant, especially in these days of instant connection through social media. Yeah, like. My time is my time, and you don't have to respect that. I have to, and and that's where it's going to be. It's not a. It's not even a matter of boundaries for some people, which is why you just like, well, I'm going to do it when I'm going to do it. And uh, if you're not going to let me do it when I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a sigma male through and through. And if you don't know what that is, you can totally look it up on on oh, YouTube yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but like that's that's very characteristic of a sigma male. We don't we don't work with well with people. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or, or bosses at, at the very least you know yeah I, maybe i'm not i think i'm just too much of a hippie like i can't um i can't <laughs> re- like i i tried so hard like i worked you know worked for like 10 years like all through my 20s in in jobs various day jobs that were always non-committal so i could you know for when the band broke which was definitely going to happen we were definitely going to get a break and take off i could just um shed the career and go but um I, I like I always felt so fake and imposterish because I just really deep down didn't care hmm. because it was just like well like we're not working to any like higher kind of thing and I know it's not that much of a higher goal to just want to release some cool albums but you know for me it is by my own metric I have my own sense of like what is valuable and 
you know what what I'll deem a life well spent is like that's that's my this is my own anyone listening that's thinking about quitting their job to like make music like you probably shouldn't do it like I'm not <laughs> this, yeah, I'm not yeah, at the yeah. successful point yet like I'm at the wake up and work hard and hope you know David writes back to my email stage it's very exciting <laughs> and you know, I'm full of fear and excitement which I can only describe as being alive like I feel alive but yeah it might not be a good idea who knows we'll see you know what? I think it's for some people and, and not for others. And mm. I think it comes down to how emotionally intelligent are you, which kind of sounds buzzwordy, but like how in tune are you with your heart? What's going to make you happy? Mm. Are you in tune with that? Because following that, you get big ideas. You get scary ideas. But just thinking logically and trying to figure it all out in your head, you actually ended up going smaller. And then just never go for the things that you know you're going to make make you happy. Like there's one working relationship I have that that I'm evaluating very closely this year. It pays it pays the bulk of my my income and and helps me live. But like as far as doing it and being happy, I find that very challenging because it's kind of the same thing day in day out. Uh, mm. At least I get to do it on my time and my terms uh, for the most part. But but you, yeah, those are the kinds of things you want to closely evaluate and figure out what it is that where your joy and your happiness is taking you. Indeed. There's other, it took me 28 years to realize that there's other currencies in life other than money and yeah, money's not even no the most valuable one. So true. Uh, one thing I wanted to go back and ask was just how, like you got started pretty early for mm. some people that's going to be like a fluid thing like almost like okay i started here and end up here and it just feels like a portion of the journey but like for some people that's there's so much that happened in between that dash right so mm. did, did your perspective change from being 15 to where you are now oh definitely like the idea of success is completely i'm gonna say i'm gonna use the term realistic now like it's mm. I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but that when I was a kid, I wanted to be, you know, ACDC or Aerosmith, like that top impossible God tier yep. that, you know, once you learn anything about the music industry, you realize that's actually impossible to achieve. Like that's a, over a span of like four generations and the music industry was different. And now the record labels are keeping these bands up in that untouchable thing so they can still sell their back catalog in 2021. Like it's this unachievable thing. The record companies will never allow any bands to get that big anymore because they don't need to. So when you're a kid coming through, you you, you want to be that. You think that is the success, but I don't know. I started, um, I got into this band Elder in the last couple of years and they're not, um, you know, they're not Aerosmith, they're not massive, but they're, they're at the point where they can, you know, tour countries and people show up to their shows and they've got a, you know, a small by the standards of like social media, they've got quite a small following, but, um, they put out great records that like they you know, they get to do, that's like, to me, that's successful. They put out a record and a, and a bunch of people care about it. Hmm. That, and again, going back to our, point earlier about not wanting to collect a whole mass of fans but just sort of like do what you want to do and find your niche audience like that's my idea of success now so my perspective went from hey guys like to the band where i feel i feel like we've got something special you know life is very short and i'd like yeah. to do something special with it so, and it's like we're not probably not going to be successful, but like, do you want to 
just do some do some things anyway. Yeah. That's kind of where my head's out. It's like just kind of it's a real see what happens kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, I'll go solo, see what happens. Oh, wow, this song came up really good. You know, and then that was the, you know, the first step. Oh, people are reacting to this. Like the compliments I get now are just a different. It used to be like, oh man, your music's like so fun and it was a good, you know, good live show. But um, you know, I got I came out with these these first five songs that um Deity's done, these singles. These are the songs that I was speaking about earlier that came out of this, like, you know, heartbreak and this, you know, real set, morose sadness. And people are getting touched now. I've been like, man, like, that song really hit me. So mm-hmm. to me, that was like this guiding, you know, stepping stone of like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path now. This is because I wanted to, like, I like emotional music and, you know, to connect with people like that and give them an emotion, elicit an emotional response like my favorite artists have done for me. That's kind of what I want to do. That's kind of my idea of success now. So, yeah, my perspective, my perspective of success dramatically changed. There was a point um, in the intro you were talking about how you don't like, you know, necessarily deal with a lot of metal bands. There's like a yeah. very good reason for that is because a lot of metal bands aren't very good. And that's what, totally fair and why they're not very good is because they don't understand that the best metal bands write songs and all the bad metal bands write metal songs <laughs> so they're trying yeah. to like they don't understand like you take a you know a great metal song played in any other style or genre and it works but there's metal yeah. bands out there that don't understand that you're not supposed to be writing metal songs you're supposed to be writing songs yeah, that brought me back to my band, which uh, at that at the time post hardcore was kind of the thing. So oh, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, it was still a matter of whether you wrote songs or you wrote breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun time. I remember because we were it a was, classic metal was. band, right? But we like there was nothing else out there like it. So we ended up playing with a lot of these core bands, and you know, like you could watch them and just be like, "Well, here it comes." exactly (laughs) you could read it yeah you could feel it coming yeah that was pretty hilarious and you also reminded me of a conversation i had with my naturopath who was almost like a mentor figure it's kind of crazy but he was saying you know pre sub subprime mortgage lending disaster of 2008 nine ish yeah you know a lot of people would come to him and say oh yeah i'll absolutely take care of my health but i can i'm gonna make all my money now because things were really good then Mm -hmm. especially in calgary where i used to live I'm going to make all my money. I'm going to retire in five years. They would keep telling him that. But then, of course, that the meltdown happened and then it got put off another five years and then another 10 years and then they would never take care of their health. And so it can be with your passion, right? You could start today or you could start five years down the line and then 10 years down the line and then 15 years down the line by the time where you're going like, I don't even know if I have the willpower or determination or vision to do it anymore. Yes, exactly. And like it's it's weird. Like that time will pass regardless. It's like doing a uni course. Yes. You look at it and be like, oh, I'm 28 years old and there's like a six-year uni course to do the thing I want to do. But like, man, like, dude, there's six years. It's a long time. Ah, like, you know, go and do – not do it and then next thing you know, you're 34 and you haven't done the thing. Totally. The time and passes I'm- regardless. And the, and the school system and, and uh, mainstream music kind of have a lot in common philosophically. Be, uh, overall, because I think there's certain ideas that, that the music industry wants to make sure they're pushing. It's always 
kind of subversive and mm. it's always kind of like a, a, a good old boys club sort of thing. I'm not trying to speak ill of the music industry. Obviously I love it. I wouldn't be in it if, uh, if I didn't think well of it, but yeah, there's, there's such parallels between education and, and music industry when you really look at them closely. Mm, but yeah, if yeah. I, it's the, I wish for the sake of like myself as a young, if as a young person listening to this, like really you, it is like the education system, like the ones that work the hardest are the ones yeah. you've heard about. Like, and the, again, the music industry likes to portray this fun. Like it's, you know, oh, you play festivals and like, you know, you, you, there'll be, you know, like it'll be, you'll get wheeled into a hotel room full of groupies covered in whipped cream. But really like <laughs> if that's what you're in it for, like go and do that anyway. You don't have to be in the music industry to do that. Just like, just go do it. But it, you, you really should find something you're actually passionate, like something you want to work 12 hours a day at at least. Yeah. Like with the education yeah. system, don't study, don't be a doctor because your parents, if you want to be an anthropologist, like go do that. That's just that's what I find the parallels between the education of picking a life path. Music, like for me, like I've just been blessed to have enough life experience and trauma and and joy in my life to you know make this leap. So you go, yeah, find find what you want to do, definitely. Well, that is absolutely something I wrote about in my yet unpublished 2.0 version of the new music industry. Mm. And, I, and I basically said, there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The only thing that you can't do without rock and roll is rock and roll. So begin looking at them separately because <laughs> if sex is what you want, there's easier ways to get there. And if drugs are what you want, well, you might be dealing with other issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stay away from that stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's too good. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's too good. It'll make you not want to work. You, gotta, you start finding your joy in finding that, uh, that perfect riser or you know, that, that perfect kick groove mm. to make that riff really settle in. Like That's where you've got to find your joys. Maybe that's just me being 31 now compared to 21. I'm sure yeah. the 21-year-old self would just like want to fight me now, I think. <laughs> He'd just want to <laughs> bash me. Right. Well, my coach always said the same thing that, uh, you know, hanging around pot smokers would make you ultimately unproductive. But I want to talk a little bit about Fierce Deity. I don't know what kind of interviewer I would be if I didn't ask. It sounds like it's a relatively new project, but, you know, speak openly about it. What What is it? Ah, Fierce Deity, it's, well, I call it stoner power metal because to me that's where I, like, I, I drew my... I find my sound in there. Like there's a sound in my head that I'm just chasing. It's like, a, this is my mm. dragon to chase in life. But um, yeah, I had the idea. I always loved the name. It's a Zelda reference actually, Majora's Mask. Ah, yeah, of course. Shout out to any Zelda fans listening. That that deserves your follow. Um, <laughs> so I took, yeah, I always liked that name and really it got into in 2018 2017 is when the massive heartbreak and, and my whole existential crisis began in two, by 2018 I'm like I sobered up like I was sober for two and a half years and when I say sober I didn't touch alcohol I was still um I was still like sm smoking weed and like I microdosed LSD for a little bit which is pretty in it's a pretty big part of the deity story it's kind of what got the idea over the line because I you microdose LSD, you get more blood flow to the brain, you get off what's called your default neural pathway and start mm. thinking of things differently. So 
Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm microdosing LSD. I'm like decided to travel. I went to um, I went to Japan, spent a, like a couple of weeks there. I spent a couple of weeks in Canada, and Canada's nice, but honestly, like Japan set the bar way too high as it's far true. as an experience goes. It's just beautiful, and I had so many like revelations there, like simple, yeah. simple things, simple little things about my life. So when I got home, I hadn't like I you know deity had always been in the back of my mind. But I think it was the seed was definitely planted in Japan. I went to, I was in Tokyo and I was walking around. I was near Edo Castle. I was near the middle there. And I saw a sign that said Tokyo Budokan, um, like, you know, one kilometer this way. And that was profound for me because I'd always wanted to play the Budokan. Because like the Beatles did the Budokan, Ozzy Osbourne, the Budokan, like all these great gigs at Judas Priest, like the Budokan was the place to play in Japan. For me, that was like this mountain that I wanted to climb. And I chuckled to myself because I knew by then that the, you know, the band I was in weren't doing what it takes to have that kind of success. So I was like, this is probably the closest I'll ever get to playing the Budokan. So I took a little mm. photo of the sign. I laughed to myself and I was like, you know, well, kids, like, that's it's funny and sad, and I kept walking, paid no attention to the sign. Did a you know I was walking around for a while. I did some laps, took some turns, just exploring, just exploring the place I was in, and I came across another sign that said Tokyo Budokan, four hundred meters. And I was like, I laughed to myself because I was like, hey, maybe I'm closer than I think. <laughs> you never know, you know. <laughs> this is like you know happening geographically, but maybe you know higher up in the in the sense in the scheme of life maybe i'm a little bit closer to a, you know a great life than i think mm. so i ended up going to visit the budokan and i think it was like 2 p.m in the afternoon i'm not sure who was playing a show there it was just like some nondescript japanese boy band and of course like i don't read japanese so i can't tell you their name like can't just they looked japanese they looked like a japanese boy band well dressed and there was like a, a massive queue and I was like, whoa, like, who is this band to, like, there's a whole bunch of people here lining up at 2 p.m. for their show. And I sort of, like, hit, all of this just sort of hit me and I just sort of overwhelmed with this emotion of, like, this is entirely possible and, it, like, it's silly, but you you don't have to be Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne or the Beatles to play the Budokan. You just, you have to be in the game like you have to be a band you have to be you know you have to send the emails you have to do all these things so i had this massive like revelation of it's never too late to start and you should you know keep mm. silly little dreams alive because yeah. I, I, I just wouldn't be myself if i didn't have something silly to work towards god yeah so you know i i, I whipped out my phone and i've kept this like just, i just make notes of thoughts and I made this, I just made a note of that moment because I kind of, I realized that probably I will never play the Budokan, but a small part of me wants to be wrong. So I wrote it down. So if I have that moment when I'm backstage at the Budokan, they say five minutes till you're on, I can remember standing outside it in 2018 going, it will never happen. So it really, that's what deity is. It's me chasing something a bit silly because that's who I am. Like I want to, I don't want to like I can't wake up and go and enter invoices <laughs> like I, I just can't do it I, I I would become an alcoholic like I would just seek I would just deteriorate if I wasn't waking up 
to try and find the right synth part. It's just who I am. So a deity is me. It, it allows me to be myself yeah. and not in, like in the sense of like waking up and spending the day how I want to spend it. And hopefully I can make myself valuable enough and have a like find my niche to the point where I can make an album, sell enough albums to, you know, survive and make the next album. Mm. That's what deity is. It's a, it's just a vessel for me to sp spend my life how I want to spend it, doing silly things. Well, and hopefully we can we can help you get there. But I think you expressed it very well that like if you because you're doing this, you don't mind getting up at six and going to sleep at ten, which is like the, the ideal. Like that's the ideal everyone should strive for. That's yeah, you were in success. Wanting to get out of bed, that's success. Yeah. But if you were working in some soul-crushing job, you'd be hitting the snooze at 8.45 and, you know, you got 10 minutes to get to work. And you're yeah, like, you, you oh, work man. out the exact minute you can wake up and still, you know, get presentable and be to work on time. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen people, go, you know, people go down. Like I, I've got, uh, like my, my parent, like my parents, they, they were safe in life and they deteriorated. I've got like older male friends oh, that man. were so like full of when I told them I was going to quit my job, you can see it in their eyes. They're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Like I've seen what happens to people that don't take risks. Yep. No, it's that's absolutely. to the point where you're better off. You know, like survival is not just about food, shelter, and water. You've got to like, it's it's a brutal term, but like it, it's kind of an in-joke with much of my friends. Like you've got to keep the shotgun out of your own mouth. Like don't worry, don't worry about, you know, like you, you become the biggest threat to your own survival eventually if you, if you don't listen to yourself. Definitely. I mean, I had a recent tweet. I think I just did this drop last night. I do a lot of tweet drops just in case anybody yeah, right. wants to know. <laughs> yeah, right. At David A. Weave. Uh, either I think I'm a genius or I just, you know, drop things as they occur to me. But I think in essence, I said, you can work at something that makes you happy. You can work at something for the money and you can work for something that's a means to an end, which is usually for the money. Mm. But you can't put a price tag on things that make you happy. Everything else you can easily put a price tag on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like it's, it's strange because there's no – like yesterday – I had some pretty massive breakthroughs. Just found the right right sounds for like I had a really good day in the studio, and nice. then like I came out of the studio and I was like, I could feel myself wanting to like celebrate, but it's like I've, when you're working a job for so long, like five thirty becomes the goal, and once you hit five thirty, yeah. that's like your reward. You get to go home. Is it's kind of strange. Like it, there's you've got to find happiness doing the process because there kind of is no. You know, the fireworks never go off. Like once you've released the album, people go, oh, yeah, great oh, things. And yeah. then you, you're like, you're onto the next thing. So, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. And I think you, you're exactly right. You've got to find you've, something that you just love the process of and you don't, really don't care if it fails. Yeah, it's easy to forget, but I think you, you kind of reach a certain age and then you realize that everything's going to be a moment. So you can be excited or happy about something for for a whole 10 minutes or 20 minutes or maybe a little longer but it's still just going to be a moment and so therefore there's no finish line it's just human to continue on that path and pursue the only thing i would suggest is people should absolutely stop and celebrate 
when that occasion arises. Recognize yourself, acknowledge yourself for what you've done. Uh, Honestly, celebration just seems to lead to more celebration. If you have none of that in your life, then then you're who knows? Yeah, like maybe maybe you won't call it forward. I like that because I've kind of been a bit tentative to celebrate just because Mm. you know I've got I like I saved up a bunch of money for the last twelve months of uh, working the day job to give myself this window. So no, maybe I like maybe I will go out and get some sushi when I've had a good day. Do it absolutely. And I'd imagine there's some decent sushi to be had in Australia, so that's that's great. Yeah, it's it's pretty good here. Some good. Um, uh, the chain is called uh, Bento. Oh yeah, some good. There's a good chain down here called Bento, and if you find the right one with you know the staff and the, the chefs and whatnot that do it with a lot of love, then yeah, you can get some really good, really good Japanese food. Absolutely, and I'm allowing myself to go down all these trails, but kind of circling back to Japan. I guess for anyone who hasn't been, there's actually no description that will suffice. But what I will say is there's it's a beautiful culture, there's beautiful people, there's amazing food and amazing sights, you know. Mm, and if you and are it, from a western culture, you'll go there and and think to yourselves like, "Huh, we've got a lot to learn. We've got a, we've got a lot of we've got a lot to learn." about how to treat yes. each other. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a lot we're doing wrong. There's some basic manners. Exactly, exactly. That's absolutely spot on. And I like that you're a world traveler too. You know, I was setting myself up to be a digital nomad and yeah, I got around a little bit before COVID hit, but then COVID hit. <laughs> and yeah. we are where we are with that. But Yeah, I'd love to do it more again. It's another reason why I took a leap of faith. Like I like, I love the idea of, Having like having some sort of life where I could be like, hey, you know what? Like, let's. I'm going to move to Japan for a year. Yeah, or, like, I'm going to you know go and you know live in Germany for a year and just absorb that. Because again, like every, when when you're living life as if every day you wake up and every breath is a miracle. Like when you think about it, a breath is a, scient- a scientific miracle. The, the ability to wake up and breathe. And to be born, like I've done a lot of meditation and like one of my favorite meditations is to sit and think about every single little thing that has had to have happened for you to exist. And that's wild yeah. when you, you spend 20 minutes going back, like you realize, wow, I probably shouldn't be waking up and going working in an office. Like <laughs> maybe I should, you know, spend more time just wrestling the dog. These are the small moments of joy. So Agreed. Absolutely. Meditation definitely has you honing in on that. And when you go through health crises, that can also make you aware that, wow, I'm still alive. I'm still here. And that's such a miracle. Yeah. It's so. trying to do something remarkable with your life. But it's, I don't know, I guess it's just not for everyone. Some, like there are people that love, love that day job or like their, their career takes them through a day job and whatnot. And they, they do it and they love the simple things in life, so that's what they want to do. So, yeah, yeah. As long as you're waking up doing what you want to do, like truly want to do, listener. If you know, if you can hear my voice, if you're <laughs> doing what you truly want to do, that is good. But if you're not, start making some plans. Start digging some tunnels. Absolutely, and that's a good way of saying too that you know there's something for our, for everyone. Maybe taking big risks is not your thing, and maybe playing golf on the weekends is, and that's fine there's yeah. actually nothing wrong with that but there is absolutely something for everyone there is yeah like i've kind of i don't know what it is about my brain but i just, like i just can't 
can't do those things. So I'm imagining that there's people out there with, you know, the brains and minds and the wills that can. And exactly. Yeah, good for them. But I guess like I can't, I'd love to, I'd love to help people get out of, you know, that quiet desperation. That's what I, that's what the state I was in, this quiet desperation. Yeah. So if I could offer any advice, it would be to, you know, save a percentage of your pay each week, put it away, figure out how much you need per week to live. Like I did the math and actually realized I was earning like twice as much money as what I needed. So as soon as wow. I realized that I could save it and realize that oh, I actually don't need that much money to live. So it's, you've got to be realistic about things because you can't just fill your backpack with things and like run away and get on a train and run away from home. You've got to be realistic with your risks. Yeah. I like that a lot. And in the Google doc, we kind of prepared this beforehand, but you yes. mentioned that you feel like you finally arrived at the starting line of your life. In oh music. yeah. I've crawled my way to the beginning of my career, I think. <laughs> And, and so just for our younger viewers, I'm not saying you're old. I'm not old <laughs> and I'm older than oh, yeah, you. I said younger. <laughs> but but uh, for the younger, yeah, for the younger listeners, how, do, how, does it, how does it feel to be in, in your early 30s now having arrived at the starting point in life? Earlier, I said there are very few points in my life where I felt like I need to, I'm supposed to be, I am where I'm supposed to be, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it feels like. And it, there's this wonderful, wonderful voice that when I wake up and like I think about, you know, like I still have this tiny urge to just get, you know, stoned and drunk all day and play video games and <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, watch old movies and, and you know, waste my time. But there's like since quitting the day job, I can't do that anymore. And that is so valuable that is like, no, man, you have to go and send that email to David Weep and ask if you can be on his podcast. Like you, mm. like you need to, you need to sit and finish this album now because you've got patrons now. Like you've got, I've got a Patreon and, and like there's an expectation on myself. Like I feel like I've legitimized myself by quitting my job and, and to do this, to be this songwriter, this producer. I feel like I refer to myself as the Kanye West of heavy metal. There's one man producer that like I feel like I've legitimized and solidified that character. So I have to and want to live up to that. So I feel legitimate. I feel full of fear and excitement. And again, it's just a blend. It's a concoction of feelings that I can only describe as alive. I feel alive. That's awesome. Mm. And you know- Gives me chills. Yeah. Your passion- Absolutely comes across. It, it it actually astounds me that I, I keep putting myself out there in different ways. Not every week on the podcast, not every week on the blog, but every once in a while I'll I'll put that drop out there and say, go and contact ten people today and make make them one of me. What or one of those people me? Mm-hmm. And people do, don't do it, and it's clear that they don't do it because I don't get the email. And yeah, I'm, and it's yeah, probably because they've got uh, they've got eight hundred bucks turning up on payday. So yeah. like, well, they don't have to try because that money's going to turn up and they'll be safe for another week. Once you take that away, ooh, that's when the brain really starts to work. <laughs> that's true. Well, like I'm sometimes confounded by that just because I look at the opportunities and I, it's just my mind is blown. But to have that paradigm or that perspective, you would have had to go through the same things I do. Like I just look at the opportunity that Twitter represents and I follow people that, are inspiring and are dropping amazing 
info. Mm. And, and it makes me go, wow, uh, I have access to this. I have access to these people. Some of those people have literally been on my podcast. Mm. I've, I've had the opportunity to chat with them before. I've even con- created a bit of a friendship or connection with some of them. And, and that's the opportunity that that's available. And without that, cause so like people, people's words don't match up with their actions is kind of what we're getting at there. I think. Yeah. The opportunities do come if you, if you make yourself available to them. Yes. Definitely. And you also mentioned the Google Doc. You feel like you have something truly creative to offer the middle music industry. That's awesome. We'll love to hear your mindset around that. Yeah, again, like, like I've only just recently learned about production and, and it's mm. sort of uh, like all my, my band's early stuff, like we'd get into, the, we'd write the song, go into the studio, record it, and then that was it. So essentially all of the albums i did were all demos we'd go in mm-hmm. we'd nut it out first like okay this, yeah this is it we'll release it go oh that this isn't you know surviving the test of time you know should we do another one and then we just repeat the cycle but having it all at home i have this ability to sit and i call it time to fail that's what i've given i've got this time to fail i've got time to try things and if it doesn't work then it you know i'm not paying someone 30 dollars an hour like i'm just sitting at home and this is my. This is what I've quit my job to do to try things. So, the, the production knowledge and understanding, like the ability to critically listen to music now, and especially music I like, and I listen and notice things like, oh, that's funny. In that, like the choir in that section was singing an ah oh, vowel, but in the chorus is singing an ah vowel. It's like, oh, okay, it opens up. That's how they achieve that big moment. So. Like my knowledge of small tricks, production tricks like that has in turn started to affect my songwriting because when I'm, you know, just sitting fooling around, I can like, oh, I know what's supposed to come after this section. Like this, this section's kind of choked up. Next section, I kind of want to be these long drawn out sustained notes and things like that. So, Hmm. and again, going back to talking about like why a lot of metal bands aren't very good is because they write metal songs and the good metal bands write songs. Um, Cause like my, like I don't really listen to a great deal of metal. Like the, the, the stuff I do listen to, I'm very passionate about, but I actually, most of the time I've listened to like Chris Stapleton or Sturgill Simpson. There's a guy out in Nashville that I just worship and adore called Ben Delacour. And um, I'm lucky enough to have been put in touch put in touch with him he's not um like he's not like chris stapleton famous but like to me like he i think he's on the way because what once people get wind of his songs like they're just so ridiculously good and he's given me a lot of pointers about songwriting lyrics in particular his lyrics are just i don't know like they're just like surgically precise and they'll just get right to that nerve if you you know if you're in the right time right place of your life like ben delacore songs will drop you so I listen to a lot of like songwriting and then, you know, there's some sillier stuff like ABBA and, and like the, the parallels between ABBA and like <laughs> Iron Maiden and like catchier sort of metal bands like that is just silly. The fact that, you know, the, the metal demographic like pride themselves on being this like tough, you know, leather clad type stuff when you listen to the music and you're like, oh, this is pop music. This is a chorus. This is a verse, chorus, bridge melodic bit like so i feel 
with like all my life experiences coming together and like I, I'm at this beautiful point in my life where I want to take risks and try something silly and instead of just trying to write, you know, orchestrate something that's good and I know it's good, I want to be like, well, this intrigues me a little bit more so I'm going to, you know, do that. I wouldn't be in the situation where I could take such risks if I hadn't thrown myself at it. And I, I just feel like the sound in my head I haven't heard I haven't heard it done, hmm. which is this like more, you know, I call it stone of power metal and it's kind of on this slider and the, like the stone of metal is sort of like groovy, like like low tune type stuff and the power metal again is like down the like the ABBA scale, like Iron Maiden, yeah. Beast in Black, kind of night wishy type stuff and I just feel somewhere within there is this sound that I haven't heard done and or, or haven't heard done well and i think that's um like i'm gonna try and invent my own sound that's what i'm here to do yeah it's kind of like that whole thing of where would metallica be without the black album like certainly they had some important moments leading up to that but it's because of that that they had some mainstream success yeah it's why they're and metallica exactly it's just masterful when you really consider that they found that bridge between what could be pop and what could be still be metal and Indeed, still have attitude. Bob Rock factor, like that guy yeah. come in and be like, all right, kids, like settle down. <laughs> Here's how you write a song. And yeah, like it's definitely like, yeah, getting a producer is, uh, and having that, that sense, like I'm, I'd love to like work with a, pro a producer and like, you know, pay time and money, mm -hmm. but like, we're just not at that point. So I've got to figure out a little bit on my own, try and have a little bit of success on my own. And then hopefully, uh, you know, start reaching out to people and someone will go, it's like, Hey, I can hear what he's trying to do. And I think I can help. You know, I interviewed Adam McInnes a little while back and, and I know he's got some other interviews out there. Check out all those because he kind of gets into the songwriting formula that uh, allows him to be successful without so much as a fan base, which is pretty incredible. What do you think? Yeah, interesting. About it? Yeah, there's there is a certain formula when you really listen to songs and really study them, whether it's chord progressions or lyricals, themes or things like that 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 are fairly common now in in most pop music. So yeah, it's, it's all a formula. Like it's yep. yeah, it's it's all there. It's all the same. Everyone's just writing songs. Definitely. And then what you said about production, like I related to that too. I was kind of spoiled for a while because I had roommates or par business partners around me who knew how to do this stuff and I and I didn't have to do a whole lot at first. Yeah, excellent. Sort of got the <laughs> bit of a leapfrog. Yeah, until, until they all quit the band and got married off. And then I was kind of left with this big studio, home studio to myself. And then it's like, well, I'm going to podcast and there's some things I'm going to have to figure out moving forward. Uh, so that's where a lot of my skills were honed was in in editing podcasts yeah to the right. point youtube how to's and yeah yeah T to the point where my roommates would come back and say how did you get so fast at editing oh no problem i've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been doing this for a while like either monthly or weekly at first it was monthly but eventually it became weekly and then it was like wow this can be a pretty intensive schedule <laughs> yeah, no, if you get you get quicker at it, like and you realize, oh, I've got time to do more things now. It's it's wonderful. I love that feeling of learning a new skill. Any reason you can hear my voice is because of YouTube tutorials. Yeah, you know, YouTube is is huge now. I think when I was getting started, like it was two thousand nine, so I was trying out a bunch of stuff. Like, 
I don't know how to describe it. I was just kind of at a little bit of intersection or crossroads in life. You know, it's like, okay, so the things that I was just doing, uh, they either don't exist or we're not continuing on with them or not working on them anymore. Mm. And the, and the thing I have things that I'm excited about, but I know for a fact that none of them are going to immediately pay the bills. So I was in this really interesting spot, but I started YouTubing and making videos. So I kind of had to figure that out. I started podcasting and I had to figure that out. So like I was really decidedly moving into this new media direction, uh, which, which is also what I applied for in school and, and, almost got in, but they didn't have enough seats, which I think in retrospect is still best because I was able to learn so much on my own mm. and gain so much experience and knowledge in the real world versus kind of just sticking to the theoretical world. So I think that ended up being a blessing in disguise. Yeah, Cammy, it can work out very well for some people. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, it's um, it's the, the Twitch stuff. Ahead. Yeah, making my Twitch channel, that was all YouTube. I just watched Twitch channels, took the bits I like, YouTubed how to do that, and then mm. went from there. Like it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to just get hands on. And again, you're talking about like Twitter, you know, dropping Twitter knowledge and things like that. Like the the access to information is, it's really what it's there for. It's not there for like cat memes and things. Like you should be you yeah. should be learning from your phone. I hope, like I hope I'm not shocking anybody with that information. <laughs> I think you are my friend. I, I see. It's kind of weird. I see everything that's going on in the world, and I don't know if it's because of social media and smartphones, as they say, or because we've kind of allowed ourselves to be lazy. That that the humanity. Um, I'm not saying it's in a horrible place. I'm just saying like a good chunk of humanity is not in that headspace. It really is kind of like, how do I look on social media? And we can really. You know, those are like base instincts, but the thing is, they wouldn't matter to you uh, if you didn't have food, if you didn't have, you know, a roof over your head, if you didn't have transportation and all that stuff. Yeah, then, you worry then about other how things, you look yeah. on social media would not make a darn bit of difference. Yeah, I have to um, constantly remind myself that my life is out here because a lot of my, you know, brand and business is on social media. So I have yeah. to make sure my head's in the game before I start looking at the apps to reply to people. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, there's a great way to use it. And that's, that's it. You know, it's, if, if I hadn't found that myself, I, I probably would have almost shunned social media, uh, even like a month or two ago, but I found a use for it that made sense. And, and I started connecting and engaging and, um, it's become, it's become meaningful. And Indeed. Fun. It's, it's much, it's a tool like, and much like any tool, like the hammer is the perfect example with a hammer in someone, you, you could build a house for someone or you could smash the skull in. Like everything is, you know, it's, it's all about the user. You've got to, it's a tool. If don't forget that it's a tool and don't forget that you don't need it. Yeah. If you are, you're getting a bit lost, like, God, no, I dooms, I call it doom scrolling. I, I find myself doom scrolling <laughs> a fair bit and then I'll realize it and I'll just like literally just like throw like just throw my phone to the other end of the couch and be like, oh, wow, it nearly got me. <laughs> it had me in its jaws for a second. It's a lot of time. That's, that's a lot of life. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody's going to be on their deathbed going, gosh, I really wish I spent more time on Facebook. <laughs> no, and if not, yeah. If they do, they'd probably be FaceTiming themselves saying that. That's what it would get to point. Like, put me on. Go live oh my now. Gosh. These are my yeah, final yeah. words. And it would be something, you know, benign and pointless. 
and yeah, it'll be to their VR uh, funeral. <laughs> yes, yeah, bring on that. I'm, I'm, I will. I am keen for that stuff. I'll be first in line actually when they start like having <laughs> augmented body parts and stuff. Like my shoulders are getting pretty sore. Like I, you know, I want some, you know that hawk vision, night vision stuff. So I'll be first in line. Yeah, I think I think there's certain challenges we've got to work through right now before we ever get to that level of luxury. But yeah, yeah, they still haven't um, mastered like melting the cheese on the the Big Macs and whatnot yet. They're one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but some people we haven't even mastered that. So, I mean, not to get too conspiracy or tinfoil hat. I, I think there is a lot of technology. It, it's at least five, 10 years uh, ahead of where we think it is underground. Oh, like they're gonna, all the celebrities, like all the important people are going to go to Mars and leave us here and we'll have to figure it out. Yeah, I've heard some theories saying Mars has already colonized long since. <laughs> a long time ago. Well, that's why I'm trying yeah. to like write some good stuff because they'll be like, oh, well, we need him. Like we're going to need good tunes. So give him a ticket and a plus one. <laughs> Elon, yes. if you're listening, just a t- will you need poems on Mars? I'll write your poems. Like, come on, we're going to need art. <laughs> yeah, art art uh, has never been more important and never more opposed, and that's kind of the age we're in now. And hopefully, we can get to a point where it's not so opposed um, to to kind of worldviews. Yeah, people start remembering art for what it is. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. We're almost coming up on the hour. Um, so thanks so much for your time and generosity, Jonathan. Is That's there fine. anything I really else I should it. have asked? Thank you for having me. All right. Is there anything else I should have asked? No, but everyone can find me. Reach out to me. Get in touch. If you've listened and anything you want to argue about anything or discuss anything, like hit me up on I'm everywhere at Fierce Deity Band all yeah. over the internet. Including FierceDeityBand.com, right? Yes. Yeah, the website hit me up. There's some contact details there. Get in my email. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you, David. Cheers. Did you enjoy this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast? Well, there's a lot more where this came from, and you don't want to miss out on another episode, right? Then take a moment to head on over to MusicEntrepreneurHQ.com slash join to get on the email list. While there, you can download the guide that interests you most from the ebook library. All right, so take a second and head on over to musicentrepreneurhq.com/join to get your free guide and join the email list. This has been episode 222 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Andrew Weep, and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. 